Hello and welcome back uh, to the She Invest podcast with your host. I am Allie Fugit. And I'm your host, Carrie Douglas. And we are She Invest. Uh, today we have a very special episode, a uh, very amazing uh, veteran entrepreneur uh, in real estate. And we are excited to hear her journey. Uh, and I'm gonna, without further ado, let Carrie introduce her. Yeah. So today we'll be talking with Beth Underhill. Beth is the founder of Lifestyle Equities Group and Lifestyle Ventures, and she's the CMO of MTN Investment Group. She's active in construction and real estate for 20 plus years. She has redeveloped over $5 million in single family homes, as well as assisted in the construction of over 35 million in outdoor living spaces. Currently, she is the co-GP on 500 plus multifamily units, 126 bed student housing property. She holds equity in a hotel in Panama, hosts an Airbnb arbitrage, and has more properties and hotels under contract. As an entrepreneur for over 25 years, Beth has mastered the areas of finance, marketing, and client relations. Her extensive background in real estate and construction is the driving force behind her passion to ensure individuals and families have a safe, functional, and loving place to call home or to vacation. What an inspiring bio. I'm so excited to talk with you. Um, that that sounds like who I want to be when I grow up. So I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I love it. I love, I love every bit of it. So we're going to dive into some questions. Absolutely. Um, so how, how did you decide to get into real estate investing in the first place? Uh, well, first off, I want to say thank you to you both for allowing me to um, join you on this podcast. Um, I'm delighted and uh, I can't wait to share my journey and, and talk more with you ladies. Um, real estate has always been one of those uh, paths of interest um, over the many years of just having this entrepreneurial spirit and doing you know, numerous other uh, small businesses. But uh, my husband and I actually had considered purchasing a franchise uh, somewhere around, I want to say it was 2005. And it was one of the first uh, franchises for homeowners to list their, um, list their homes without, um, you know, the, the 3% uh, representation fee from a real estate agent. So they could list it for $600, um, put it, it, it would, you know, uh, that would cover marketing costs, uh, listing it on the MLS and so forth, and they could actually save some money. So we had considered this particular franchise opportunity. And then for whatever reason, we stepped back and said, you know what, timing isn't right. We're not sure about this. Um, and I had actually started to get my realtor's license. Um, but, you know, things happen, right? And uh, I had a daughter at the time and um, I had a catering business as well. So I was like, you know what, maybe just the timing isn't right. Um, and then fast forward to uh, sometime in 2018, my husband was, uh, he has um, he has trouble sleeping. He has sleep apnea. So on occasion, he's up in the middle of the night, you know, flipping through channels and, and whatnot. And uh, he happened to see this infomercial on uh, house flipping. And there was this guru that was coming to our area um, to offer a one-day wonder masterclass. And so he signed us up for it. Uh, I wake up the next morning and he's like, hey, honey, we're going to go to this uh, 
flipping masterclass. And uh, we're going to check this out because I think we, we would do really well at this. And we had already been at that point in time. Um, we had our outdoor construction company. We built outdoor living spaces here in the Cincinnati area, which is hugely popular, um, especially with, you know, our weather. We're in the Midwest, right? So we have, we don't have extreme temperatures in either the winter or in the summer months. So having these additional outdoor living spaces just really allows people to use their um, outdoor space almost year round because we have fans and heaters and fireplaces and outdoor kitchens and, and the whole nine yards that we built. So we thought, you know what, we'll take some of our skills and we'll take what we know on the outside and translate that into um, um, the inside and renovate properties. So we went to this event, which led to a three-day class. Then that led to a five-day bus tour out in California, where we actually hopped on a bus tour, uh, hopped on a bus, went around, toured properties, and and estimated how much renovations would cost and so forth. Um, and that's where we met a couple of uh, investors. And so we had, you know, the construction experience. They had the funds to actually um, invest in these properties. So we teamed up um, with um, two different investors for different properties. Um, and that's how we got started. Um, so we began fixing and flipping um, in, uh, well, it was into the first part of 2019, where we had uh, our first two homes. Um, and we were doing two homes simultaneously, which, of course, if I had to go back in time, I would never do that again, um, especially new. And we weren't just, we weren't just doing lipstick on a pig as they like to call it, you know, paint carpet and maybe some LVP and, and, and boom, you're done. It's back on the market. I mean, we were doing major, major renovations to both of these properties to the tune of, you know, one had somewhere close to $130,000 budget and the other one had, um, over 200,000. So, um, so they weren't, it wasn't inexpensive to say the least. Um, but these properties, you know, I will say this, they did sell right away, which was great. Um, however, we ran into um, a bit of a buzzsaw because the general contractor that we had hired, um, you know, we thought we could manage the general contractor, but this general contractor that we hired, lo and behold, he just did not have his act together. And he had taken on too many other projects in addition to ours. And he was hired to do the two houses at the same time, which again, big mistake. But uh, but as a result, it, it just ended up to where we had too much time um, in holding costs, you know, with both of these projects, um, which just ate into our profits, unfortunately. But beautiful houses. We are very proud of them. We learned some lessons and that's how we got started. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, so from that point, Beth, you guys like kind of got into, um, you know, flipping, fixing. And then what was the next property class that you got into? Well, we um, decided to fix and flip and, you know, we actually call ourselves redevelopers. We don't like to um, call ourselves fix and flippers. We thought, you know what, it just has a negative connotation to it. So we'll just call ourselves redevelopers. So we started, we, we kept redeveloping um, for the next several years and it was in 2021. So I guess from the time we went to our fix and flip, um, you know, workshop, to the time I went to a multifamily workshop, it was about three years. 
And so I went to this multifamily um, event, very similar structure, one day wonder that led to this three day event that led to a two day bus tour. So um, it was kind of interesting that there, some of them are set up very, you know, similarly. But uh, so I, I went to this multifamily event and my eyes were just like, whoa, like, popping out. You know, I, I was jumping out of my seat. I couldn't wait to come home and tell my husband, guess what? We are not going to redevelop anymore. We are pivoting and we are going to pivot into multifamily. So after that event, I hopped on Facebook and started joining just every single group that was out there. Right. Um, and that's, I think, even how I, I became connected with, uh, with Allie, as a matter of fact, um, just through Facebook groups, Facebook itself. So connected uh, through Facebook and met some wonderful people and created a ton of partnerships. And uh, some of those partnerships led to sourcing deals for hotel conversions, sourcing deals for multifamily, um, and sourcing deals uh, for um, uh, hotels. So, and hotels not to convert, but actually hotels to purchase. Um, so as a result, you know, I ended up then um, in a in a partnership with a hotel in Panama, Central America. Um, I happened upon a group that was newly forming that was looking to take down both uh, multifamily and student housing deals. And so I became the CMO, the chief marketing officer for this particular group. Um, and then I, I was sourcing deals for hotel conversions. And we had several that were, you know, on the verge of, of actually coming to fruition. But for whatever reason, you know, we know all how deals work sometime in, in uh, this space. Um, just when you think you have a deal, you don't. <laughs> so. Amen to that. Um, I, I don't know about, I know Carrie and I, we were talking about, um, you know, yesterday when we were prepping for today, I just want to know more about the student housing. I don't know about Carrie, but I am yeah. so interested in that. It's like, you know, on here we talk a lot about Carrie and I are both in hotel deals. We talk a lot about short-term rentals just because that's the background again that we're coming from just in our current uh season. But I'd love to know, like, can you just like walk us through like what do those deals look like? And um, you know, what is the equity structure in that? Or um, are people looking more for a return of cash on that? Like, can you talk to us about those deals? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our student housing properties, first off, uh, the ones that we have um, purchased, gone after are class A properties. So they are uh, newer builds, which is, um, you know, of importance to us, um, which means that there's going to be less maintenance, um, you know, over the life of what we might hold it. Um, anywhere from, of course, three to five years is is typically our goal. You know, three years, maybe refinance out the investors, five year, you know, sell. So um, from a maintenance standpoint, that's what we're looking for. Um, now, the student housing properties, we also look for in very strong markets, you know, large college towns. Um, as everybody knows, you know, post-COVID, um, colleges took a hit in a few different directions, but primarily it's the smaller colleges that have been struggling. Now, I know for myself and from, you know, the experience I have just sending a daughter last year to her freshman year at the University of Kentucky, they didn't have enough housing for all of the freshmen, the incoming freshmen. And the same was true. We live here in Cincinnati, Ohio. The same was true for the University of Cincinnati. So many of her friends at the University of Cincinnati actually were living in apartments off campus already. So that's where, you know, an operator like ourselves comes into play for these off-campus um, student housing properties that are very close to campus. You know, obviously that's key. 
um, newer builds, uh, developers who maybe have been holding on to these properties and have leased them up, but maybe haven't pushed rents over the years and are ready to just move on from the properties. Um, they're not property managers. They don't want to necessarily hold these for a long period of time. So that's where we're coming in. And based off of our, um, our relationships that we have, we have someone that's part of our team that spent 18 years with Landmark Properties, which is one of the largest student housing property developers and property managers. Um, and so from that, we have this pipeline of potential opportunities. And, you know, we've been able to pick and choose some really sweet ones. Um, but we're getting great returns, you know, 18% IRR, um, 7, 8% cash on cash. Um, the thing that we love about these is that they're cash flowing from day one. So our investors are getting distributions immediately. And what investor doesn't want to put their money in, close on a property, and then after the first or second quarter of, you know, fully holding this property, they're actually seeing money right? You know, that doesn't typically happen, especially with value adds. And that's the beautiful thing that we love about them. Now, the other thing I absolutely love is guess who's paying for, you know, the, the, the lease, guess who's signing on the dotted line, guess whose social security number is the one that, you know, we're securing. It is mom and dad or, you know, whomever, but it's, it's generally not the college student. It's an adult. And therefore the security on it is, is sometimes even greater than, you know, what you might have for a typical multifamily property. So, um, so, so again, so many benefits to it. And when you're buying class A properties, generally speaking, you know, it's not, and if you remember, ever remember the, um, the movie Animal House, you know, most people tend to think of Animal House and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, my property is going to be destroyed. That's not what's happening on these properties. You know, they're class A properties. The students are, are taking, you know, good care of them. Um, they're, they're educated. Um, you know, it just, they, they speak for themselves. So anyways, that's why we love them. And that's why we're going after more. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I have another question just on that. <clears throat> so when you're evaluating these properties, right. Um, and you are, I, I'd love to know just because I'd be so interested to get into this property class. Um, tell me about how you're evaluating what the students pay, because I know when I was in college, like rent, for these types of properties were way more than rent for, you know, if I was to go out and just find an apartment or whatever that was farther away from campus. So how do you guys evaluate that? And like, and where did you learn to evaluate that? Well, again, a lot of it's coming from just the, um, the seasoned um, individual that's part of our team who spent 18 years with Landmark. So he knows property values. He knows, you know, what we can do as far as pushing rents and so forth. And here's the thing, when you have a property that is close proximity to campus, people are willing to pay more because guess what you don't have to do? You have a car, right? And the car is maybe to drive to go get groceries. Who wants to worry about hopping in their car to go drive to campus to try and find a parking spot when they can just take their two little legs and walk to campus and be on there in a very short period of time? I remember for me, when I lived further away from campus, it was such a pain to always make sure I, I got to campus in time, fighting traffic, and then therefore looking for a parking space and not having to worry about parking tickets. So, you know, one of the things that um, I remember um, for one of our deals, which is in uh, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, one of our partners was actually touring the property and he was speaking with one of the students um, who 
um, was actually leasing an apartment from this particular uh, property that we are um, about to close on. And he was talking and they're, they're an athlete, right? And this athlete was like, you know, this is just way too easy. I walk right across the street. I'm on campus. I can get to everything. He goes, I'm saving so much money in parking fees, parking tickets, you know, and, and just not having to worry about paying. You know, I know for my daughter, for instance, it's $350 to park her, her car on campus, right? These kids don't have always, and parents don't want to pay 350 bucks for stuff like that. And so if you can save money, you know, awesome. Um, but but really, it's it's the proximity that, you know, will allow people to say, like, yeah, I'm willing to pay a little bit more. And honestly, with with all of the amenities that these um, that some of these properties offer, um, you know, it's and, and you should see these properties. I mean, when I went to school, you know, we had the bunk beds, right? There's no more bunk beds. I mean, one property in particular was um, we have cottage houses, right? These cottage houses allow for four, five, six people to live in it. They each have their own bedroom, their own bathroom. Oh. And and these bed and bathrooms, you know, granite countertops in the kitchen, stainless steel appliances, you know, a living room in a kitchen like you would expect to see on, you know, love it or list it from Hillary, you know, just amazing looking properties, you know, very, um, uh, just, just, yeah, just beautiful. So, um, so they're kind of getting that, um, home feel, right. And, and being able to, um, to kind of be someplace home away from home without the dorm feel, so to speak. Um, and, and they love it. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and we know some of the properties that we've inherited, um, we can push these rents because that's what the developer, you know, the developer is just interested in leasing it up. He wants it to make, make it look good. He wants it to be, you know, hundred percent occupied or as close to hundred percent occupancy as possible so that when he turns around to sell it, it's going to look like a good buy, but he hasn't pushed the rents as a result. And that's what we're able to come in and do. Some of our rents, for instance, on another property we're looking at, Four hundred, three to four hundred dollars below market rent of what other people are paying, um, and that's the value add right there. Uh, mm -hmm. Who needs to actually go in and do you know anything else, especially when you have a brand new property? Yeah, that's and awesome. so is there. I'm so sorry, Carrie. No, no, um, I was just saying that's really, really smart. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, is there a certain criteria that you're looking? I know you talked about like new build and stuff, but like so far as like room count. Um, amenities that are offered, like, do you guys have a certain thing in your buy box that you know that you want to stick with your brand, so to speak? Like, I know that some student housing around the college that we're at, um, exactly like what you're saying, they're more like the cottages, but the little development also offers like a pool or a volleyball court or things like that. So are there certain things in your buy box, um, such as room count, again, amenities, things like that, that you're looking for, your team's looking for that, you know, gets you guys the most value? Um, you know, it all depends. If something is really close to campus, things like a pool, things like a fitness center aren't necessarily going to be as important, right? Because they still have mm -hmm. access to the rec center. Um, so that, that, in and of itself. And, and what we do is, you know, certainly the properties we're looking at, we also want to compare to other properties that are nearby, uh, maybe have higher rents, you know, what do we need to do? You know, do we have what it takes, you know, as far as amenities to be able to push to the same rents that they have? So a lot of times you're not going to find, you, you will find, I take that back. You will find some properties that will have the pool 
Um, but generally speaking, I would say that they're typically maybe a little further away from campus. They might have a, a nicer fitness facility. Some of ours have these really nice outdoor spaces where, um, you know, you can grill, you can host a party, you know, things like that, a clubhouse and whatnot. Um, but, you, you know, I mean, student housing, you're not expecting to have um, those amenities as you would if you were uh, maybe a young professional looking at, mm -hmm. you know, an apartment community and so forth. So they're just not as expected, um, if that makes sense. I mean, for really for us, uh, we're looking at, you know, the, the, the buildings themselves. Um, yes, number of units is important. Of course, we want to have over 100 beds at least to make it worth our while. Um, but, uh, and, and just, you know, how, again, proximity to campus um, and what it is that we can come and do without necessarily having to to break the bank. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you, you have any questions on that, Carrie? No, thank you. For I sharing. see like, I know we've both been like taking notes over here. So I want to make sure you didn't have any questions. Yeah. No, writing down. I, I think it's really wonderful when we get to hear a little bit about asset classes that I'm not in or that you're not in yet. Um, Allie. And, and so thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're always looking for people who want a capital raise. So if anybody wants to get involved, you know, in these particular asset classes, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's some great opportunities out there. So, awesome. yeah. Oh, that's Very good. Cool. That's really good for our listeners who, who may just be starting to and needing to get with somebody like yourselves that are more mm -hmm. established. And, um, okay. So what are the next steps for you and your company, um, and future goals? And, and feel free to split that up if you have obviously separate goals from your company, but um, yeah, what, what's, what's the future bringing? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, the future hopefully holds. Um, we have a property in Antigua, um, which is in the Caribbean. Um, it's a hotel. Um, we are looking to purchase that. Um, that's, that's with a different partnership, not, not with, um, the group that purchases the multifamily and student housing. Um, but if, uh, that one is, is very exciting. It's, uh, they just sent us their six month financials. Um, their net operating income after six months is over a million dollars already, um, which is insane. So they're doing very well, but we know we can come in and we can do more. We can, um, actually push, um, you know, occupancy, um, drive more, um, especially from the United States and Canada, drive more tourism, you know, down that way, um, more guests, um, and then do some, some maintenance and some upkeep and some renovations and so forth. So that would be, um, really just a gem if, if we could land that, because that would be for us actually sort of our, our home base. And we have opportunities then to purchase additional properties on Antigua. And then also Antigua and Barbuda are two sister islands um, that are considered essentially as, as one. And we do have 33 acres on Barbuda that we can develop. So developing that would be honestly just probably the icing on the cake. <laughs> so, so some pretty exciting times uh, there um, specifically. Um, as far as additional student housing um, and multifamily, I mean, I'm I'm all for this. You know, we have again other properties that are potentials in the pipeline, and I just want to keep adding to that portfolio. 
Um, I do have an Airbnb arbitrage and wouldn't mind having another one. Um, that's been an interesting journey to kind of see the growth of an Airbnb property. Um, you know, we don't own it, which is the beautiful thing, right? So you rent it. Um, we had a very good, and, and we started this in, in uh, February of this past year. So February and March, obviously, they were solid months. Um, April, not too bad. And then you hit these summer months, right? And this happens to be in South Florida. So you're kind of like, is anybody even going to want to rent this in, in the summer months? And amazingly so, um, we didn't have a too bad of a July and, and not too bad of a, um, an August, actually. Um, I think we've rented about 15 out of, of the 30 days for each of them, which, you know, being a newer property. Um, but we're finally up to 24 um, reviews. And so, you know, it's my understanding reviews can, can make a huge difference. And um, we're still uh, finalizing the licensing for it. And so once we're able to do that, we can put it on, um, something beyond Airbnb, like the RBO and so forth. And, and that'll just attract, you know, more, um, hopefully more potential guests. But, uh, but growing that has been just a really interesting process. And so um, wouldn't mind uh, having one or two more of those in, in some other strategic locations, not necessarily South Florida. Um, and then I have a, a, a separate partnership with um, potentially um, um, assisted living facility. So that would, uh, you know, senior housing is, is one of those, um, you know, asset classes, property types that, that really there, there's just a lot happening, you know, with it. And, um, I visited this particular property back in, um, late June, um, and the owner, um, who has done a wonderful job of renovating it. Um, he's, uh, in his eighties and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to, I don't want to be the one to operate this. So that's where we may come in and, and, and take that over. So, you know, I've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. And, and I'm hoping that, that each one of them, you know, again, you know, I'd rather have more irons in the fire and know that something's going to drop rather than to just focus on one thing and hope, you know, that it will happen. Um, so I feel like that my chances, you know, if I have 25% here and 25% there and 25% there and 25% there, you know, it's 100%, right? And maybe 50% of it will come to fruition, which is better than nothing. So yeah. that's awesome. Well, yeah, very good. And, and that's part of what we were hoping you would touch on a little bit is just your diversified portfolio and how like having those different irons in the fire can be really beneficial in terms of exactly what you said. Like if one, if you put all your eggs in one basket and it doesn't happen, now you're kind of starting over, right? Mm -hmm. That's not yeah. what you have going on. That's so great. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And you know, really this, it, it sort of just happened to me. It wasn't anything that, and, and it was really a result of when I, I look back at my journey and uh, when I started just joining Facebook groups and so forth and making connections, I made connections with so many different people that were doing different things. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't know that I necessarily want to limit myself to to just one thing, especially, in, and I'm a hospitality lover. So that's where like the Airbnb comes into play and, and the hotels. I used to work in the hotel industry. Um, I've been in restaurants, you know, managing and, and whatnot. So, um, so understanding and knowing um, all of that, you know, I, I, and, and then of course, you know, if you have hotels everywhere, right, you could just get to go visit all these fun places. Um, so that's where my thinking was at, but, you know, just making sure that, um, 
I guess, you know, the strategic alliances, uh, I didn't want to shut any of them off and say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't help you out. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to be part of it. Because, you know, as long as I'm aligning myself with people that maybe know what they need to know, and I am able to then, you know, start to learn more. Um, and it's been, you know, the nice thing about it is some of this, some of this translates into, you know, different property types that you go after can translate into one another for a variety of, um, and the underwriting essentially, you know, yes, it's different, but essentially it's the same, right? You're, you're trying to give good returns to your investors, make sure that there's, you know, solid operate or uh, uh, NOI. Um, and, and then you just have to produce and property manage it. So I don't know, that was, that was my thinking. And so sorry if I went off on a tangent. No, super <laughs> smart. I love it. I love, I love, oh, actually a Facebook comment just came in. They love that. And they said it can be overwhelming, but if you break it into silos, then watch each of them and it can work very well. So absolutely, great point. It's totally relatable. I know uh, for a lot of us, and I, I love that we get the opportunity to talk to people like you that are doing this because like Carrie and I have had multiple conversations about this exact thing. And like, um, you know, some people can definitely say like, oh, just like stick to the one thing that you're good at. But I feel like in the industry that we're in, um, it the one thing is just real estate. And if you know real estate, then you can diversify, right? And and real estate is going to be very similar no matter what asset class you go to. Um, so I think that's the beauty as well um, of, of the industry that we're in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think about our my husband's construction background and our renovation background um, with redeveloping the single family homes. And that translates into a hotel conversion, for instance, and, you know, everything that's going to go into taking a, a, you know, a hotel room and making it a studio um, apartment. Um, same thing with the Airbnb arbitrage. We had to go in and decorate it. We had to buy furniture. What are we going to need? What are we going to, you know, what's the list of that, that someone's, you know, so, and then even um, with our hotel in Antigua that we'll be doing renovations for all of our eyes putting onto it. So, you know, a lot of translatable skills um, over different property types. And I think for me, there's just no fear in, in, in jumping in and, and just making it happen. Right. I mean, why not? Um, life is too short to just kind of pigeonhole yourself. So. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so the next question we're going to get into, uh, it, it's Carrie's favorite question. Um, and for this question, please feel free, like be as open as you want, be as close as you want. Um, we just but ask honesty everybody. Is okay. Honestly. Uh, yes. Honesty is okay. Um, how often do you look at and track your personal financial statement? Well, that's funny because, uh, I'm probably going to say not enough. And that's honestly, um, now, you know, I am the type, I, my checkbooks are balanced every single day. You know, I know where the money is coming from. I know where all the money is, but if I had to like put it on paper and, and kind of, you know, map it out, I don't do that often enough. So. Yeah. And that's an honest answer. <laughs> well, and I think that's the answer we hear often, right? Sure. Like, and yeah. I feel the exact same way. We, we usually end up updating those things when a lender's asking for them. Right. Like, right. right. But, but when I'm trying to think about, you know, what my goals are and, and wealth building and, and, and that sort of thing, it's like, okay, how do I know if I'm being successful if I'm not tracking it? Right. 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 So that's why we try to ask people who are, successful in this in this space what they're doing because I want to make sure you know that I'm that I'm doing what I should be doing right sure. so 
Yeah. Thank you for your honesty, though. Absolutely. I remember one person who uh, many, many years ago had said to me, he goes, I know how successful I am um, if I have money in my bank account. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe that's one way of measuring it. Everybody measures it differently, right? Right. So, um, you know, I mean, for me, I think at some point, yes, putting all my assets, I mean, we were about to close on several different assets. After that, I'd love to put it all on paper and see how it, you know, how it plays out, how it maps out. Um, but I haven't done that. So it, uh, it's something that, you know, I need to do uh, amongst, you know, everything else that's going on. Yeah. And for me, for money sure. in the bank account can feel safe, but it might not be put, being put to work for me. Right. Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. I think that's where you were going with that was just like, yeah. that might work for some people, but for right. me, maybe not. Right. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, Beth, I know for you, when we were um, just talking and we looked through, you know, your information you sent us prior to the podcast that for us, I think like, I know for me and Carrie as well, uh, we're on the same path as you as like trying to create some type of generational wealth. Mm -hmm. So for us, like the money in the bank account, like again, great indicator for some and definitely feels good and safe. But is that a true indicator of the wealth that we're trying to build and like, and how do we track that? And, um, and we know that we are right. We, we all know that we're on the right track because we are essentially collecting these properties and collecting equity in these and uh, these deals. But um, it, it's just like staying on top and tracking to make sure that we're aligned with that goal of mm-hmm. creating some type of generational wealth as we move forward. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, OK, so what would you have done differently on this journey, knowing what you know today? Knowing what I know today, other than um, not flipping two houses at once, is it one time? <laughs> well, it would be not flipping houses at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, we had we had an amazing journey with uh, our house flipping, and I think uh, Carrie, as a realtor, you can appreciate this. We had so many realtors that uh, would walk through our houses, and they would say, "There is no way a fix and flipper did this house." Um, and I think that was just a testament to the quality that we mm-hmm. wanted to ensure we were putting out. We know we put out quality with our outdoor construction company, and we wanted to make sure that that same quality was, you know, translated into these these renovations. Um, I probably, I, I would definitely say, um, you know, once once those first two. Um, fix and flips, once those first two happened, we we should have pivoted sooner. And I wish we would have pivoted sooner. And we didn't. You know, we stayed in the game thinking that, okay, we learned some lessons, we can go make it better. And we did. You know, there were several properties. I mean, one property in particular, I mean, we we did very, very well on because we learned we learned our lessons, but it also had good margins as well. Um, If I had to go back in time, um, you know, from owning a catering business to an internet-based golf uh, women's um, accessory business to a fitness studio, I would have stuck with that real estate business many, many years ago instead of, you know, pursuing these three other passions, so to speak, of mine. Um, And um, had I done that then, I think my real estate path would look um, vastly different. And, um, I would have gotten actually into things like multifamily, student housing, hotels, whatever the case may be so much sooner. So I just really wish I would have, um, you know, jumped into this, you know, 
many, many moons ago. So, uh, uh, and I do have one more question after that, that I'd love to ask you since, since you are just so seasoned, Beth, um, what is like the one piece of advice? Because a lot of the people in our Facebook group and a lot of our listeners may, they're probably just starting their journey, right? So what's the one piece of advice you could offer them right now if they're starting their journey? So it's interesting because I get this question asked a lot from, um, from people on TikTok, as a matter of fact. Um, TikTok is, you know, TikTok is for the younger generation, it's where they go to find their information. And so they're always asking questions and they're like, how do I get started? How do I get started? So I always tell them, okay, a couple different things. First off, you know, figure out one strategy that you want to do is, is it, you know, you're, do you want to learn wholesaling? Do you want to learn fixing and flipping? Do you want to learn, um, you know, maybe get involved in multifamily and so forth, you know, if, and, and just because I'm doing multiple ones didn't mean I didn't start off with one strategy in order to get in the game. And that's what you need to do, right? Don't, you know, jump in and try and do 50 million different things. If you're brand new, figure out one strategy so that you can start to get your feet wet and understand, you know, just how it all works. Um, so do that. Um, I always tell people, go to meetups, get on Facebook groups, um, join your local real estate investor association group and start meeting people. Start networking with other individuals who are doing what it is that you want to do so that you can learn from them. And after that, you start making your list of investors, people, friends, family, and so forth. Let them know what you're doing. Let them know you're in the game. Like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting into this or I am getting into this and this is what I'm going to do. Um, and find a mentor, you know, if it's a, if it's through a Facebook group, um, don't pay though, you know, 40,000, 50,000 for a mentor, just find somebody that can, you know, can just kind of help you along. And I, I do this all the time. People, again, through TikTok, they're always emailing me questions and I'll take 15 minutes and I'll tell them, I'll, I'll hop on a phone call with you for free, 15 minutes, not, you know, just to kind of give you some guidance so that you can, you know, get going in the right direction. Um, and then I send him myself, you know, usually it's on a cell, my cell phone, right? And I'm like, this is my cell phone. Text me if you have any other questions. And they're like, are you serious? And I'm like, absolutely. Like there's, I'm not gate, gatekeeping and I don't want to gatekeep. That's not what I'm here to do. Um, but find people who are willing to just lend a hand. And there's so many good people out there. I mean, some of these Facebook groups are, you know, so wonderful for just finding people that can, you know, are willing to take that time, are willing to talk to you, um, are willing to just help. Um, but I think you have to build your base first and, and that's, you know, important, um, and, and starting to just, you know, just kind of understand the game and network with people and talk, um, is, is just crucial and, and don't be afraid. You know, I, it's, I know sometimes it can feel intimidating, but if you let people know that, Hey, I am new to this, they're fine with that. You know, we're all new to something, right? At some point. I mean, Carrie, you were new to being a realtor at some point, right? And somebody was probably kind enough to show you the ropes. And it's it's the same thing. It's just like starting a new job. Um, it's going to feel like a mountain at first to climb, but it gets easier over time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just what I typically tell people. No, I love that. That's great advice. Um, all right. Well, we have one last question, but before we ask that question, can you please share with our listeners uh, where they can connect with you and find more information about your company? 
Sure, sure. So as you can see here or there, Lifestyle Equities Group, um, lifestyleequitiesgroup.com. You can, um, that's my website. So you can go there. I'll learn a little bit more about me. Um, you can text me 513-470-1078. You can follow me on uh, Instagram and TikTok at Investing with Beth. Um, and uh, let's see where else. I guess that's really about it. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Beth Januzzi Underhill. Um, feel free to connect with me there. Um, and uh, you can always friend request me on Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's where. Awesome. I, I love that, Beth. I love how willing you are to just help people. Um, and I know that like Kyle and I have connected with you on different, different things and, and bounced ideas. And so Thank you for that. And thank you for always being so willing to help everybody at no matter what point they're on on their journey. Sure. Um, so what is the most exciting thing you have done on this investing journey? Most exciting thing I have done. Um, well, that's a really good question, to be honest with you. I mean, I am proud of many of our fix and flips, but I would say that probably the most exciting thing is, you know, last year was my first, so it was my first syndication and I, you know, had never been involved from, you know, the side of where like the back end of it, where everything is happening behind the scenes, right. To get it to close. And those months of September through December were some pretty amazing times for me only because I learned so much being hands-on that I never would have learned otherwise from any, any sort of program whatsoever, right? Um, I'm, I'm the type that learns from doing it, like actually physically having to do it. And this is where, this is one thing that I want to figure out how to help more people, you know, with is like going through the process. So I was tasked with, okay, well, we need a pitch deck. Like, oh, okay. I guess I got to come up with a pitch deck, right? So I come up with this pitch deck. I mean, obviously it was refined, 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 but I was like really proud of the end result. And then, then it was, oh, well, we have all these investors who have to sign subscription agreements and do this and that. Oh, okay, well, I, there was another thing. I was like, okay, I guess I'm, you know, wearing this hat now. Um, then we had a brand new portal we were using. Nobody knew how to use it, right? So it was like, Beth, can you just learn how to use this and figure this out and get our investment up on there? And and I'm like, uh, uh, okay, you know. So so we go through this whole process, right? We end up closing on this deal, and then it comes time for things like distributions. I'm like okay, well, how do we handle this? And it's like, okay, here it is. And then it's K1 time, right? And um, Beth, can you handle the K1s? Okay, here we go again. You know, so I'm like, so I, I've gone from being this chief marketing officer to chief cook and bottle washer, which is fine, but that's what you do as a team, right? Somebody has to pick up where sometimes people don't have the capacity to, to do. And um, so for me, I think the exciting part has been the fact that I've been able to learn hands-on. So it's like learning hands-on on a job and I've gotten paid for it, right? I've gotten paid for it by having equity in a property, getting paid an acquisition fee um, and, and then being able to say like, Hey, I'm pretty proud of, you know, all of the, um, the pieces that I helped to put in place in order to make that deal happen. And we're using some of those very same pieces, um, like the template for our pitch decks for other deals going forward, or, you know, the portal or the processes and so forth. And so I was able to build, build a company, you know, help build and be the foundation for a company. And I think that's been exciting. It's, it's been something that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, I love building companies and I, I've built, you know, several of them. Um, but for real estate, you know, just being able to say like, Hey, I, I did that. And, um, you know, nobody can take that away from you. 
So yeah, very that's cool. Awesome. What a great answer. Like something definitely that you should be proud of. So exciting. Yes. Yes. And I, I agree. Um, I, I am, my firm belief is always stay a student, Beth. So I love that you, that's the most exciting point for you was just like the learning experience. So yep, absolutely. Um, that, that's great. Um, well, we appreciate you today, Beth. And this has been so wonderful just to get to know you more and hear your journey. And I know that we've gotten a ton of value. I know that Carrie and I now yeah. can go back and actually talk about um, the student housing piece specifically that we um, had questions about. So um, we appreciate that. We appreciate the knowledge that you bring. And um, we look forward to having you on another time to get an update on uh, Antigua yeah. uh, because I'm super excited to hear about that as it comes to fruition. So am I. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Um, and we will see you guys next week uh, on She Invest. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.